Pretty drama free, other than a pony. The mystery dog. And the mystery dog, <laughs> who was super cute. I wish we would have stolen him. He is no longer a mystery dog, though, because he did belong to someone who lives on the property. Oh, he did? Yeah, Rebby talked to him or something. Um. So. So. Yes. There were yeah. a, a l- more praying mantises, praying mantai uh, at sure. that place than I've ever seen in one location in my entire life. I didn't that would see be like any. two for me. Yeah, same. Yeah, how um, many were there? There, I there were so many on Miriam and my door. So there were different parts of the house that we stayed in, and I was in like a little cabin type thing with a main bedroom and a side bedroom and our door specifically had like 20 praying mantises on it when I went to go to bed and I was just like what, what? trying to open the door That's and not freak out. So weird. <laughs> was it like a praying mantis bachelorette party? Yeah. That was our theme was like praying mantis, you know, That's bite a good the head. Theme. That's a really mating. good thing. <laughs> right? really it theme kind of is very on point. Okay, sorry. We have it a special guest. There, now I have a tear. Oh, it's a crown. And it says her name on it, right? It's really pretty. Aw. Adorable. Yep. It's very pretty. Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> she wants to hang. We're taking I wish it up worked valuable like that. Karina time. I feel when bad. When someone's like, bye, and you're just like, no. nope, I'm staying. Nope. Not now. Just a Not right now. Do you have any good stories you want to share before we get into the weird brunch stories? No. I feel the same way some weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, nothing really. Oh, I can tell y'all mm-hmm. about um, this thing I found. It's a, uh, just for our audience listening at home or in your car. Um, there is a Japanese ghost detecting stone available on Amazon right now. How much? Dang. Uh, I didn't look up how much, but it's a Begaton Reiseki, uh, a so-called ghost stone that illuminates itself when it detects out of the ordinary paranormal activity. So when there's a ghost nearby, it glows? Yes. And it changes colors depending on the intensity of the spiritual presence. Seriously? Wow. Yeah. What Buy it. How much is it? I don't know. Let me look. Because um, like a I... sunlit room, though. Like it also, it, it comes from... Glow. How do you see it? Yeah. I'm more worried about day ghosts. they're the ones you have to watch out for yeah Uh, it also it's from a company that also makes ufo and aura detectors of course they do well because they've got the technology they just want to apply it as broadly as they can this magic detecting that money technology detecting technology detect technology yeah 
I can't find it on American Amazon. It's only on Japanese Amazon. Oh, banned in America. And it's 3,024 yen. Yen. What is that in? Oh, that's not a lot. That's not a lot of money. How much is it to ship it over here? Can you still get it? It's on Prime. (laughs) Can you Prime? Japanese Prime. Like, yeah. It's like 30 bucks. Oh my God, please get it. Yeah. I bet it just, it's like a mood stone or something. Like it detects heat. I bet it only finds Japanese ghosts though. I bet there's plenty over here. That's true. That's true. Hold on. I'm seeing if I can order this. It's very important. Oh, Lisa, there's no, oh, there's not. Welcome to Weird Brunch. Sorry, Um, what? Ghosts can go anywhere? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, ghosts can go anywhere. She's right. Yeah. Uh, it's not letting me sign in because I'm in America, which uh, is racist. It is. Um, I, Xenophobic. This is Weird Brunch. We said that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Lisa Friedrich. I'm Karina Magyar. I'm Whitney Lamont. Josephine's building Legos. We got a Lego builder. Yeah. Architect keep, in the making. Keep it clean. Um, <laughs> yes. I have not said anything terrible yet. I haven't either. This time I'm going to talk about the ghost hound of the deep south. Ooh. Ooh. A dog? A ghost dog. See, it's very mm. Sherlock Holmes. It's very mm-hmm. Wu Tang Clan. I want to watch that. By the way, have y'all seen Wu Tang? Has a. I don't think it's a documentary, but it's out on Hulu as of, I think this week. Oh, nice. Oh, really? It's, it's all, all right. about the Wu Tang. I'm for that. Also, they're coming to ACL Live this year. So if you want to buy tickets, <laughs> it's during the first or second weekend it's of like the ACL Festival. Yeah. Um, but it is at ACL Live. <laughs> Hell yeah. I am excited for that show. Um, so uh, this is in the city of Newberry in Newberry County, South Carolina. Very rural place. It's very peaceful. It's very quiet. Um there's a history of okay, so there is some underlying uh, things uh, that I think we will pick underlying up on. truths. Sure. Uh, okay. So there's a history of a thriving cotton industry, and it is surrounded by numerous plantations. Ah, uh, got it. Okay. Um, yeah. So this is the booming center of trade all the way up to the 1860s when plantations were bad um fought a war over it uh local legend has uh like been around and scared people for over a hundred years and it's of a ghostly hound that prowls outside of town um so in bruce and nancy oh i do want to say that this is from mysteriousuniverse.com i don't want to get in trouble is that your favorite website from, yeah it is um <laughs> nice. for the fun ones i do yes um so bruce and nancy roberts uh book ghosts of the carolinas um so just outside of newberry is a stretch of rural road called buncombe road buncombe buncombe Okay. B U N C O M B E. Oh, that was way more letters than I thought. I know. Um, so, and it goes through Sumter National Forest, uh, past a place called Ebenezer Church, and right no alongside. No relation to Scrooge. <laughs> yeah. Right alongside the uh, like 
really unkempt church cemetery, like one of those with a lot of vein, uh, vines and like just a bad scene. Uh, and past the old Goshen Hill Plantation. Goshen. Goshen mm-hmm. in Union County. Once a stagecoach route between Ebenezer Church and Goshen Hill. It's a pretty unremarkable road. It's five miles in length, overgrown and feral. Ooh. Uh, and it's haunted by a massive spectral white hound with glowing eyes that stalks its stretch. I bet he's the Great Pyrenees. I bet he's just super cute. Probably. Yeah. Um, Sweet little ghost dog. He's called the Ghost Hound of Goshen. Uh, he's very aggressive and threatening, snarling, chasing, and even leaping at witnesses before vanishing into thin air. While it may seem at first to be just a ghost story, there have been encounters with this phantom hound. Uh-oh. Real encounters. The real encounters. Mm-hmm. Very okay. real. The first known sighting of the ghost hound of Goshen in, was in uh, 1855, when a plantation owner by the name of William Hardy sent one of his slaves to get a doctor to take a look at a sick man. The slave began making his way on muleback. <laughs> that was that's, my word. That's a hot Not way the to word go. Yeah. Of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, along the lonely dim roads towards the home of Dr. George Douglas. <laughs> Uh, the slave later claimed that he had heard a sort of snarling, howling noise from behind him, and when he looked back, he saw a huge white hound that began to chase after him. Ah. No matter how fast they went, uh, which I don't know how fast you can go on a mule. I don't think it's very fast. Uh, the hound caught up to them easily, passing them and sending the mule into such a panic that it almost threw the slave off its back. The unnamed slave. Um... The hound then stopped there in the night to stare at the man with a uh, with mm-hmm. like yellow, just glowing eyes, before, <laughs> jaundiced just, eyes. Just well, it just says baleful. Eyes. I don't know what baleful means. Uh, it means like, like of resembling a bale of hay, like kind of like puppy dog. It's like just like sad. That's kind of what I thought. But also like, but it is a dog in an eerie way. I don't know how. To, yeah, it's a very Victorian ghost story kind of word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then he evaporated into thin air. Fun um, now. Mm-hmm. This could be the imagination of a scared young man on a darkened wooden uh, wooded road. Mm-hmm. And it seems no one believed him at the time, which makes sense because we were a really messed up nation. Um, I wouldn't have believed him. You wouldn't have? That he saw a ghost I dog? I would have believed him. I know you would. That's the difference. I guess. Um, uh, until... A local doctor named Jim Cofield also saw the beast come running down the road to menace him before vanishing. Cofield, that's what I'm saying. Like, all of a sudden, this white guy sees it, and they're right. like, oh, I was it's gonna say, true. How many people do you think have to see a ghost before you believe the ghost was there? Um, mm, two. Just two? Yep. Whoa. Yep. Where, how many for you? It's got to be more than two. And it, someone I know would have to be there. I think two 
Two is enough and for it me. Couldn't, to... I don't know if I could believe my mom if she said she saw it. It'd have to be like my stepdad. <laughs> if my stepdad saw it, I'd believe it. I think it's two if they like describe the same. You know what exactly. I mean? So yeah. If, okay. So are you okay with two people seeing it at the same time together? Mm-hmm. Okay. Would it be the same? But if then they I'd want to interview them separately, like Law and Order SVU sure, style. Sure. Right. And see Half if the, the stories match. match up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lisa, one, one, <laughs> less than one, if yeah. possible. Lisa's yeah. a one, okay. a classic one. Got I'm it. A, yeah, your standard one. Got it. Got um, it. So Cofield would claim to have seen the hound on several occasions, and that it absolutely terrified his dog, and his dog refused to walk down the road. Aww. Uh, although he didn't believe in ghosts or spirits, ladies. Uh, he was never able to rationalize what he had seen. Uh, the hound was spotted right up until years, uh, like, well, it's been spotted up until, like, almost now. Um, wait, not almost now. We'll get to it. Another witness named Barry Sanders, sounds like a fake name, uh, claimed that it chased him all the way home in 1936, only stopping when the scared man reached the edge of his property. So he respects like right. property lines. Yeah. Or maybe he has one of those like ghostly shock collars. He does. Yeah. He could have that. <laughs> Just this little an electric fence. Mm-hmm. Um, as recently as 1970, there was an old lady who said the white hound had appeared at the edge of her property, first looking as if it were normal sized, but inexplicably growing to enormous dimensions. That just scared me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's here. Um, before leaping at her and causing her to faint. After which she would wake up to find it nowhere to be seen. Ugh. I just, I don't know if I would be afraid of a ghost dog. I mean, I, clearly you would. Well. You were giving me the look. I, I feel like we should go out to Carolinas and. Cool, let's do it. Okay. All right. Uh, so paranormal researcher Tina R. McSwain with the Charlotte Area Paranormal Society. Lisa's a member. Um, became fascinated with the tale of the ghost hound of Goshen after reading Ghosts of the Carolinas. Uh, she went down to the area with some friends to investigate the strange stories in the summer of 2007. Besides finding the actual Buncombe Road... Uh, which is apparently one of four separate roads with the same name in the area. <laughs> <laughs> she was also uh, able to interview locals. In like she that. was <laughs> super confused. Um, she was also able to uh, interview local folks about the story. Many of the younger generation had never heard of it, but some of the uh, older generation knew about the ghost hound and even had stories about it and claimed to see it themselves. Uh, McSwain writes... One man said he had seen it several times. The time was always late, around 1 a.m. or later. He described it as... He was also hammered. (laughs) He described it as a big dog, pure white, that floated up... I just... Now I'm imagining it as those big dog (laughs) t-shirts. What are those? Oh, it's just like one of those brands of like... I don't know. It's like, like if you can't run with the big dog, stay on the porch no. or something. Oh, yeah. okay. Got it, got it. Yeah. Um, like, 
I love my wife, but I love my truck more. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But, it, yeah. Don't mess with my wife, my truck, or my t-shirt that says I love my wife and my truck. <laughs> or my gun. That's what it says on the back. <laughs> or you'll As get, a, yeah. a third thought. Yeah. yeah. Um, he described it as a big dog, pure white, that floated above the ground, but moved very fast. He said it had one big red bloodshot eye. Uh, he also said that his mother has, had seen it, but she's dead now. Uh, mm-hmm. A lady told them that her mother had seen it too and was so frightened that she would no longer drive down that road at night. Same lady said that she had been chased by the dog when she was a little girl, but really didn't want to talk about the experience. Mm-hmm. She did, however, tell them how to get to the church and the road and said, go ahead if you're brave enough. Sorry. What? I had one of those burps <laughs> with like soda where it kind of comes out your nose. You know that feeling? Yeah. And it like kind of burns the inside of your nose. I thought I thought you were getting so scared. No, I, I so just scared. had a yeah. terrible. I was like, now weird, who's like, on my side in about my this? my sinus weird burp. Sorry. <laughs> she told him how to get to the church. Like, oh, no. <laughs> um, and she said, yeah, y'all go for it if you're brave enough. Um, Damn. So during her investigation on the road, she was uh, able to find the the decrepit cemetery and uh, the road. And like as the road passes, she was like, this is just weird in general, like just a dark, weird place. Um, So while they were there, they smelled uh, a scent of perfume, even though none of them was wearing any. Mm. Uh oh. (laughs) And unfortunately, they did not see the legendary hound mm-hmm. for themselves. But they did establish that the road and the church cemetery do exist. Okay. Well, that's good. So landmarks are in existence. That's what they got. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, another creepy local account of the ghost hound of Goshen was recorded by Roger McReady. Um who says his father claimed to have seen it when he was younger and lived just around the corner from the old church. Uh, The author believes it's because his father had, quote, as little of what might be called imagination about him as any man in South Carolina. Did he call his dad a dum-dum or just... He was just saying, like, his dad... Would never make make it up. up. Yeah. Um According to his father at the time, one of the family's cows had gone missing. So he had gotten on a pony and ridden out to the road to go search for it. And he said, this was in the fall of the year and the sun was about set. He, I didn't like being down there with it getting dark, but your grandmother would have skint me if skint. I left a cow out. So I rode on down to where our fence bordered the road and started looking at the bob wire fence we had down there. There you go. Sink into that. I heard it before I saw it. Something behind me running fast along the road. I turned and it and the biggest, meanest looking dog I ever saw was running straight at us. There was nothing between him and us but that bob wire fence. <laughs> Well done, Bob. Wow. Well, it's actually spelled in this excerpt as B-O-B. Bob. <laughs> Bob's wire. Oh Bob God. wire. Oh, the man. dog didn't bark, howl, make a sound except his feet running, running. Mm-hmm. 
and his eyes. I was scared to death. Were they and, baleful? Mm-hmm. Mm. And the pony, well, powerful. He baleful. bucked and threw me slamming to the barbed wire fence. Not the pony. Oh, shit. And took off. When I picked myself up, the dog was gone. Just gone. Well, he's lucky he didn't get attacked by ghost dog. Yeah. But I took off running and didn't stop till I was at the house. I was hollering at the top of my lungs. I must have scared Mama because she didn't say a word about me having lost a cow and my horse both. I'd been so scared I hadn't even noticed that I was cut pretty bad from the barbed wire. She cleaned me up and managed me. I slept with the light on in my room that night. Mm -hmm. The horse and the cow came home by themselves in the morning. We had a telephone by then. Hell yeah. Oh, well, finally. And mama called everybody in the neighborhood, but nobody owned a big white dog. But she did tell me it was okay if I wanted to start bringing the cows up earlier in the afternoon. (laughs) I don't know if she believed I'd seen what I said I had, but she knew I believed it. I seen it. I did. Um, the hound is said to be the faithful pet of a peddler who was passing through the area sometime in the 1850s. Okay. Uh, it says that a man was murdered near murdered nearby, and he was wrongfully accused for it, hanged and then buried in the Ebenezer Church Cemetery. Mm-hmm. And his dog then supposedly refused to leave the graveside. So he's just and a his, real aggressive dog. And has lingered there acting as a guardian to protect its territory even in death. Sweetheart. See, are you scared of the dog now? No. You just feel Some bad for Some ghosts are good. Yeah. I feel like this one's 50-50, man. I mean, dogs. He right? would ghost bite you. He's taking care of... I want to make a movie called Ghost Bite. Ghost All right, bite. ghost bite, ghost bite, and then play it in a Dallas theater for for thirty bucks, three people, for three people. <laughs> ten bucks a head. So yeah, that's the uh, ghost hound of Goshen. Oh, wow. Gosh, gosh, well, gosh, the barbed wire fence. I was barbed wire tour de force quote. <laughs> I must have scared Mama. <laughs> it's like Forrest that poor Gump. guy. Yeah. Well, speaking of animals, uh, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. A, uh, a story about a man Let me go back Jay. and tell you something. All right. Um, about a movie that was made in 1981. <gasps> it the worst was, year. Why was that the worst was year? Was it the worst year? Is there a good movie that came out in 1981? Sure. I, mean, I don't feel like looking it up. I was going to try to. I don't, I don't care. I there is. Um, I'll look it up. Go for it. Uh this is about a movie, the making of a movie called Roar. Oh, Rage of the Lost Ark. Okay. Dang, That's the only good see? one, though. That's, That's the, the only, only good, one. good movie in yep. 1981. Mm-hmm. So Roar was supposed to be an adventure comedy film starring Noel Marshall, mm-hmm. who was also, who also written, wrote, and directed it. And then always a good sign. Co-starring his wife, Tippy Herden. He, sorry, Tippy, Tippy Hedren, Hedren uh, who was made famous by the movie The Birds. Yes. Um, and co-starring <laughs> their daughter, who is lovely, talented Melanie Griffith. 
as a child and their sons john and jerry who nobody cares about nobody cares um it the story follows a man living with lions tigers and other big cats in africa but not bears when his family attempts to visit him they're accidentally left alone with multiple animals that they're afraid of (laughs) that's the premise of the movie that's the plot it hilarity ensues. Oh. Well, hold on. What? Sure. So, it's a comedy. It's supposed to be a comedy. Is this okay. a documentary that he's like forcing on people? Mm. No, there is a documentary I, about, about the this. making of the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. Okay. But so this was a movie that he was like, "Hey, honey, come be in this yes, movie." This and is we're a also movie. Yeah. Get this. I, I mean, will we've got, write, direct, and star in. We've okay. got all these lions. We got so many lions and tigers. Something. Yeah. So the idea of the film, hey, we just talked about it, uh, <laughs> was conceived when Tippy and Noel learned about endangered wildlife because Tippy had been filming a movie called Satan's Harvest in Mozambique. Okay. Um, with their family while she was filming, they lived alongside a number of big cats in their California home to prep. Okay. Uh, Which sounds like a terrible idea. Uh, So filming began in California during the 1970s and stuff happens. So (laughs) um, the plot, I already kind of said the plot of the movie, but um, Noel Marshall is an American man that lives with multiple lions, tigers, cougars, jaguars, and other wild animals in Africa to study their behavior and interactions with each other. Tippy, her two sons, and her daughter, Melanie Griffith, uh, come from Chicago so that they can bring him, Noel, back to his ranch. But he's not there when they get there. Um, okay. His friend offers to take him back by boat to pick them up and warns him that there's a grant for his land, blah, blah, blah. Wait, by boat? Wait, this is, this like is on an island? This is just part of the movie. Is it like on an island? No, he's in Africa. I don't think it's on an island. I haven't watched the movie. Okay. But uh, anyways, so there's stuff going on. Um sorry i feel like we should watch the movie. i know i feel like we should yeah. watch the movie too uh sorry i'm getting through the movie because the plot of the movie doesn't really matter what really matters is all the stuff that went on while they were filming this movie i think it really matters why we're on a boat you know what i mean yeah well but that they that was just like a guy was like oh we'll come pick you up in a boat and take you the like second 30 minutes into africa maybe okay. it's a river okay yeah. it's not style. like they took a huge boat there african that's queen. not what happened yeah it's not like river the african Quiet. queen it is not yes. it's not like either of those names. denial the <laughs> so we bought a zoo we bought a zoo um there were over 70 cast and crew members who were helping film this movie with legit big cats and all of them were injured during the production of war grizzly man wait all of them yeah 
Yep. Over 70 cast and crew were believed to have been injured during the production of War. Wow. Or of Roar. Um, That's a... Wait, was it Because of this... No, they filmed it in California. Okay. The movie itself is set in in Africa, but they're filming in California, obviously, and it's the 70s, 1976. There are 15 15 lions and tigers um, that escaped the set. Escaped? (laughs) Yep. They, it was being filmed on a Santa Clarita ranch that on top of having all these wild cats everywhere was completely destroyed in the process. Um, local sheriffs and law enforcement were forced to shoot and kill three lions, oh, including man. the lead lion. Oh no. The lead lion. The lead lion. He's the star of the film. Um, Many of the attacks that happened to the cast and crew resulted in real blood from the actors showing up in the final cut of the film. So they were physically attacked (laughs) multiple times during this. And the film itself has been described as the most dangerous film ever made. Cinematographer Jean de Bon had his head... Jean de Bon? Yeah. That's... The famous cinematographer and later director. I forgot that he worked on this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Had so cinematographer, as you said, is it Jean de Bont? I don't know. I was trying to say it French. I assumed he was French because that looks like a French name. It might be booty to booty. Um, He had his head scalped by a lion while filming under a tarp. No. The scalp result, the scalping resulted in him having 220 stitches tippy all right let's so talk just Sorry, real quick this guy just so you know he directed speed twister minority report he was the cinematographer oh on die hard he's famous he's yeah. super famous yeah. he's really into thrillers so yeah i will say also he tip, got scalped he was scalped by a lion <laughs> i will say tippy if we could talk about tippy hedron for a second mm-hmm. she was made famous by the movie the birds she was the star yep. of it alfred hitchcock kind of pulled her yep. from the muck he and, and she was famously mm-hmm. abused by both yes. hitchcock and the birds and the birds yeah. hitchcock like made some very inappropriate advances on her multiple times there's a whole like, movie about tippy psychologically yes yeah. he's a notoriously like harsh man to work with and on top of that he kept making advances on her and she was like please leave me alone and he wouldn't and then he would get mad at her and take it out on her during filming and she went through some crazy stuff while filming the the birds because he would be like no you have to get attacked by this bird again and she just was it was awful for her so Mm. she's already had some trauma filming Filming trauma with animals, and now she's in this movie called Roar. Tippy Hedren received a fractured leg after an elephant bucked her off its back while she was riding it and also received scalp wounds. She was bitten in the neck by a lion and required 38 stitches. What? That's a big bite. Uh... Adorable Melanie Griffith had to receive 50 stitches to her face. And she was, what, 12 years old or something? Yeah, she was a kid. It was feared she would lose an eye 
and thought that she would become disfigured from it. Oh, Luckily, oh she wasn't. She's beautiful. <laughs> now, lover. Noel Marshall was attacked so many times that he was eventually diagnosed with gangrene <laughs> in one of the attack incidents. Is he the main dude? Yeah. Also, Tippy's husband, IRL. And, and Melanie's... And Melanie's dad. dad. Yeah. In one of the incidents that Noel was attacked, he was clawed by a cheetah when protecting the animals during an actual brush fire that occurred... On the set oh in 1979. All of the animals anim- were evacuated. <laughs> and it took him several years to recover from the injuries. Uh, turnover on the set was high because people didn't want to die during the filming. Mm-hmm. Um, many of the lions suffered from illnesses that reduced the population significantly of lions in general. Um, John Marshall was bitten by one of the lions that required 56 stitches. In 2015, in an interview, he commented on the film's notorious tagline that they used to promote the movie that 70 people were injured during the making of the film. They they used, that that. was a promotion. And three lions were killed. So this is what John Marshall said. Tippy disputes the number. I believe that the number is inaccurate. I believe it's over 100. (laughs) It's somewhere between 70 and 100. It's the most dangerous film ever made in history. Nowadays, there's so much regulation. If you're working on a film and two people get injured, they come in and shut you down. They have a safety meeting. They say, what are we going to do to change the situation? If they did that to us after two bites, we would have said... I don't know what else we can do differently. Should we do this this with dogs? I don't know. Oh, my God. If we want to make a movie with lions, people are going to get bitten. We just hope that nobody dies and we'll do everything we can to make sure that doesn't happen. We just hope nobody dies. Yeah. That's perfect. Um, The other brother, Jerry, was bitten in the foot while wearing tennis shoes on set. He jokingly said later that the lion had a tennis shoe finish. (laughs) What? Um, The assistant director, Doran Copper, K-A-U-P-E-R, had his throat bitten open. Yum. His jaw was bitten. One of the lions attempted to rip his ear off. (laughs) He was also injured in the head, chest, and thigh. And although it has been reported that the attack nearly proved fatal... A July 1978 edition of the Santa Cruz Sentinel oh. printed a quote from a nurse describing the injuries as acute, meaning that they were sudden and traumatic, oh, okay. not deadly. Wow. He I was, bet they hurt. He survived. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's the most deadly film ever made it was released in 1981 and 1982 in australia and europe but was only screened for one week um it wasn't theatrically released in the u.s not even in dallas not even in dallas um supposedly it wasn't released in the u.s because it wasn't good it was non-union crew that were mm. used. <laughs> Gee. 
Um, oh, in Probably 2015. Here we go. In yeah. 2015, it was picked up for di- distribution by Draft House Films. Yep. Heyo, Alamo Draft House, okay. our hometown movie theater. Okay. Um, 34 years after its initial release, it screened across the U.S. and independent cinemas after Draft House picked it up. Um, it had a domestic gross of $110,000, making it an box it, a box office bomb. Right. Still. Uh, take that, Zizix Road. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, upon its initial release, Variety said the film was a passionate plea to preserve African wildlife. And, and they killed three lions. Um, they killed a whole bunch of... I'm sure lions also died just based on being out there and getting sick and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Do you think they knew what they were doing in terms of feeding these no. things? No. Probably not. Um... Time Out said the film represented a portrait of the Marshall family as a, quote, as, quote, mega eccentrics and misguided animal lovers. And it's a farcical melange of pseudo David Attenborough and Disney speak accompanied by fickle camera work. Um, what? Somebody was trying to earn their money as a movie. Yeah, that, that was that a whole lot of... I don't know. A melange. Flowery, happy language. What's a melange? Is that like a white solange? Yes, that's it. Melange. Anyways, people. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. most people haven't seen this movie. Uh, It's said to be compellingly idiotic. Um, On Rotten Tomatoes, though, it has a approval rating of 74% <laughs> based on 23 reviews. Oh. It's probably just people cheering for the lions. Yep. It's yep. all people who were me too in Draft House. Oh. In the Draft House oh. scandal. R.I.P. What's his name? What was that guy's name? Tim Harry Knowles. League? No, not Tim League. Oh. Harry Knowles. Uh, uh, the no, big, the, I mean him too, but like it's the one from D. Ain't it. Yeah, Harry no, Knowles. No, not Harry Knowles. It well, with uh, yeah, but oh, the other guy. The Birth other guy. movies, death. Yes, that's the guy I'm thinking Starts of. With, uh, my friend dated him. Whoa, what? I'll tell you about it off air. Okay. Um, but yeah. Anyways, guy. we do love the draft house. We do. I saw it there on yeah. Thursday. Yeah, how was it? It chapter two. Um, I'm a big fan of the book mm-hmm. i liked the first one a lot the mm-hmm. second one i thought was just okay yep that's what i'm hearing that checks out okay so speaking of people who are trying to get away with murder yes ooh, ooh. all right so there's a comedian named dan Ninen. Mm-hmm. his whole thing is that he's half Japanese and half Indian. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can now write his jokes if you'd like. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I mean, we not, shouldn't. We shouldn't. But, but he, we could. You could, right? He's fine. He's not good. He's not that funny. But he's like, whatever. A competent comedian. The reason anybody cares about him or knows about him is that he likes to brag about how successful he is and how good he is at comedy and how amazing he is and who he gets to perform for. And he has talked his way into performing like White House events mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and major corporate events and all this stuff. 
So his official bio on his website, which, by the way, he performed at the one of the balls for this recent inauguration for whoever's president right now. That guy, that guy everybody really I likes. Mm-hmm. I can't remember his name. But Dump, like, I think it was. He was on the same ball as Buzz Aldrin. And oh in my God. the official program for the ball, Dan Ninen's bio was twice as long as Buzz Aldrin's. <laughs> Oh, S- man. former senator slash uh, man on the moon Buzz Aldrin okay so his bio begins he was born on May 4th 1981 no which is categorically untrue. it's it's not categorically wrong he was born on May 4th but 1961 anyway and Eesh. he says he graduated mm-hmm. from Bethesda Chevy Chase High School in 1999 which again is almost right there's just a small typo of about 20 years going on in there so he still to this day on his i'm looking at his official website on this date in september of 2019 mm-hmm. it's been exposed but in the new york times the washington post uh every major every media outlet that he is 55 years old <laughs> there was a website for a while called dan nine is over 50s 50 years old.com like it's, it's just <laughs> out there i love the internet russell peters who he brags about having opened for mm-hmm. uh, and russell peters is like one of the biggest comedians sure. on the planet um tweeted dan nine is a 55 year old man child i ah! hate him mm-hmm. nice and he still claims he's only whatever 35 35 or whatever 81 would be right yeah so that's like that's older than that's me. the kind of man we're dealing with he is literally delusional he is just a total like kind of weird sociopath so here's a fun little incident in 2013 um comedians hate him just mm-hmm. clearly y'all are I'll both in, comedians oh yeah that's why we're doing this i'll get <laughs> yes. in, i'll get into why in a minute but first i want to tell this story because it's my favorite dan Ninen story ever so in 2013 which is about when the whole world was getting on this train of dan Ninen is a fraud it really kind of blew up in his face in 2012 <sighs> that sounds so fun i wish I would uh the new york times exposed that he attention. bought most of his half a million twitter followers and then kept repurchasing them as they were getting purged so like sure stuff like that right um, he's performing at the DC Improv and a Daily Beast reporter named Josh Rogan is just kind of casually tweeting out stuff. So he tweets the following uh, three things in a row. First tweet, Dan Ninen was funny until he dusted off his 2005 Katrina jokes in a gratingly bad George W. Bush impression. Mm. Tweet number two, Dan Ninen makes his umpteenth joke about how Asians can't distinguish between the letters L and R, election, erection, we get it. Tweet number three. (laughs) Old joke. Tweet number three, Dan Ninen just punched me in the face. (laughs) Oh my God. Tweet number four, we are calling the police on Dan Ninen who just punched me in the face twice in front of several witnesses. Oh my gosh. Tweet number five, DC police arrested Dan Ninen for assaulting me. (laughs) Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's a great tweet. (laughs) (laughs) Line of tweets. It was a very fun set of tweets and it got way more faves than Dan Ninen's tweet from that same hour where he said, just finished headlining the improv, had a great time. Oh, oh my God. God. Dan Ninen was later jailed uh, after um, <laughs> admitting, like, you know, he. That he assaulted but, someone. He's not it's admitting, so but what, what's the official word for that? Pleading guilty. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's Dan Ninen. Mm-hmm. So let's go to what he does with comedians. So, comedians who've been calling him on this say, hey, please, shh. Um, if you're going to be in here, you have to be quiet. 
Are you working out? We got kids working out, man. <laughs> You're doing great. <laughs> I wish that power. That's really energy. hard. Okay, sorry. My five-year-old is working out on my exercise bike, which is nice that somebody's using it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so comedians have hated him for a while. We've all seen, you know, everybody's seen through his shit. Norm Wilkerson is a good friend of ours who has yeah. been on his case for ages because it's just so funny how like brazen he is about lying about everything. The so we live in. if you oh, make yeah. fun of him in a way that gets to him somehow because it was to his face or you He'll tweeted something punch you in or the you, face. you wrote an article. No, he doesn't punch you in the face. He start he puts you on a list Oh, and mm-hmm. emails you. Yep. Constantly. <laughs> so one of, <laughs> I like that that's scared you oh, more I than like that anything. That is kind of terrifying. One of these comedians is Brian McGinnis, who's put together a Tumblr of every email that Dan sent. He keeps sending them. Uh, so some of them are very, very long and it's just all very braggy and passive aggressive, but let me see if I can find a good one here. Uh, here we go. First of all, that email wasn't sent to you directly. It was sent to people who rejected me from performing in their clubs or told me I would never go anywhere in comedy or told me I'm a hack. Once in a while, I like to send emails to people who fit that description just to let them know how well I'm doing and that my reality is brighter than their dreams. I'm different from other comedians. I use rejections as fuel and motivation to reach even greater heights. Speaking of which, I noticed that you actually got 793 hits in three years on your best YouTube clip. Oh. And it seems to me you don't even have a web page. Impressive. I get 793 hits in less than an hour. Oh. I mean, is that true? Check out, sure, whatever. <laughs> Check out this email I sent to my buddy today. It's about midway through the day. My six-figure stock portfolio was already up $2,883.15. Your two homes have already increased in value. I'm planning to my exciting upcoming trip to Dubai, and you're working on deals for your next movie. Jessica Flores, Sven Weschler, Jason Good, Debbie Shea, and Josh Homer, and many others like them have only one credit on Comedy Central, and they criticize other comedians for doing the comedy they do, and, and who get up at 7 a.m., Okay, it goes on. You get the idea. Yes. Okay. What's um, his name again? I'm sorry. Dan Ninen. Dan Ninen. When, what was it? One time? Oh, I can't find... There's, there's some emails that are just awesome where he like threatens people in stupid ways. All right. Um, when the New York Times caught him buying tweet tweets he said well i had to do it because the number of twitter followers i had was out of proportion for how many people in the world know about me uh what so like he needed twitter to reflect how famous he Uh was sure he's like i'm already famous but like my twitter numbers didn't follow like Mm -hmm. reflect it so that's why i had to go ahead and buy all those i mean same though yeah right (laughs) i get it so what he does to get so famous, you might ask yourself, being a mediocre comedian, is he just pitches himself to journalists as an expert on everything. And he gets written about a lot and then he uses those press clips to mm-hmm. send to bookers. and mm-hmm. write. So that's why he pretends he's 20 years younger. So he gets on this, like, there's a website where you can offer yourself up as a source to journalists. So he found out that if he just called himself a millennial, he could be a source in, like, any article anybody needed. 
So Buzzwords, baby. Yeah, he was in an AP story about how a millennial left Intel to make millions entertaining others with comedy, which was a bit on the nose. But he's also been in articles about millennials who go vegan and millennials who quit the internet and uh, millennials who don't do this anymore or that anymore. His his Twitter handle is comedian and... Kim comedian and nine and 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 yeah, mm, I get it. It's comedian Dan though. If you think about yeah. it, yeah. All right, uh, I'm trying to find some more stuff. So, does he not do stuff anymore? He's he's gotten a little quieter. His last tweet is from 2018. Yeah. yeah. So like he, if I'm not mistaken, so 2013 is when people started like outing him. Right. But then about three or four years ago, it all kind of resurfaced again. Yes. Fun. I love it when stuff comes back. Yeah. Like people and are like, like mm, I we don't think you heard waited. us the first time. Okay. <laughs> love Let it. us make this more clear. Sure. I mean, that's kind of what happened with Cosby. It had to come around like six times <sighs> before. Right. Yeah. So he stopped listing shows on his site in 2016, which is a bummer because he used to list every show and the audience size. Afterwards. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. He is Donald Trump. Like, yeah. Oh, he's, same he's totally freaking it. thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good job. Uh, Thank very you. proud. Children in the room. What was the thing? He he always would tweet from his private jets that are flying him around, mm-hmm, but it turns yeah. out he's only been on two private jets in his life, and yep. he just keeps recycling the 50,000 pictures yeah. he took while he was on those his, two. One of the last things he tweeted was him pulling up somewhere in a Tesla, and he's he, like, Tesla shoot, and it's like, bro. He's uh, been an avowed atheist, like very loud on stage about it and everything like that, but he signed up for a reality show called Soul Searching about religious people who try to find meaning. Of course, he's just... He's just, he'll do... He's like, just, yeah. Yeah, he's just one of those Pimping people. Pimping himself. He'll do anything for money. Um, and yeah, I guess he's kind of gone underground. So I guess whatever shaming the internet was able to pull on him finally worked. Um, but that's kind of the anticlimactic story of Dan Ninen. There's so many ridiculous details. I think like the weird brunch part of it really is the list because not only is there a a list that he creates like an email list for, but Mm. if you reply to that email, he will take time to reply back. Oh yeah. And he will like on this list, he has dug into you and like done research on you. Yes. Yes. So he's just a sociopath. Yes. Like, for sure. Yes. Don't we have, don't we know people that get those emails? I think, wasn't Norm on the list? I think Norm was on, maybe Nick Mullen. Oh, Mullen's definitely on the list, yeah. Nick Mullen's on a lot of lists. I would love to just (laughs) reply to, or send him an email and see what happens. We could do it from our weird brunch. Oh, that'd be fun gmail because we've only ever received one email on it <laughs> oh <laughs> email us and it's the one that they send you when you like sign up sign up and it's like what's up welcome to gmail and i'm like cool do y'all remember that britney spears song email my heart yes that's all that's all. y'all should email our heart <laughs> Weirdbrunch at gmail.com. All right. I found a, I found a good sequence of emails yes. here just to cap this oh, off. Oh, I'm so excited to hear All it. All right. Uh, I am merely the pond that reflects the oncoming stone. 
I am only mean to people who are mean to me or turn me down or call me hack. As you recall, your initial contact me with me was extremely hostile. My only crime is that I want people to know what I'm doing because I don't have the TV credits. What? What? Right. I thought he said he Weird did have TV credits. There. Yeah. For every chump like you, there are many who contact me for advice. You can't possibly imagine how many aspiring comedians I've helped. There's so much you don't know about the business that you could, but you and your buddies are so closed off and you think you know everything. Fine, less competition for me. I see all the petty stuff you and your friends post online about me and I have to laugh because it only spreads my fame even further. For crying out loud, they're posting links to my video. What better publicity could anyone ask for? Sure. Uh, as you do these investigations and conclude no one's ever heard of me, so therefore I'm making it all up, uh, just know that I was in the lists like 73 countries where he's um, performed. And Big yeah. Big deal. Uh, have fun driving hundreds of miles to your crappy spots in beautiful Pennsylvania. And then immediately, no response. Email 15. I'm sitting in a room with 200 <laughs> Google employees about to receive an award for my performance last night. This <laughs> <laughs> does not think happens. In a beautiful hotel in Pebble Beach. In six months, I've already earned my goal for the year. Everything from now until December is gravy. Nothing you say can hurt me. Email number 16, no reply. You'll never fly first class in your life. Email number 17, now the employees are coming up and saying they love my show. Email number 18, $10,000, buddy, $10,000. Email 19, P.S., I'm writing a chapter in my book about you and your friends. Email number 20, I'm dining on filet mignon so tender I could cut it with a fork. Here's a 10-second video of me cutting filet mignon with a fork, and he attached a video with it. That all no. happened in one hour to one comedian. Oh my god! Yeah, that's the weird brunch part of it. Yeah, they're it's insane. Also, yeah, it yeah. is not hard to order filet mignon that you can cut with your. Fork. You could go to Longhorn Steakhouse right now and get that for twenty bucks. Oh, now I want that ten thousand dollars. Oh, I dinner? want a steak. You girls want a steak? Oh. They don't want steak. Whitney, do you want a steak? I kind of want a steak. You want to go get steak after this? I mean, I'm not opposed. Anyway, so yeah, you should check out this Tumblr with 34 emails from like one month. Ugh, that's just, I love hearing stories about dudes who are so full of themselves and so insecure. So fragile. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. it, it makes me happy <laughs> because it's this odd combination of like in your face confidence and needing to prove to you that. Yeah. They are confident. <laughs> Look how okay I am. Look at this. I ordered filet mignon. Here's a video of me cutting it with a fork that I'm sending it to you. Who I wouldn't even send that to Eat someone I like. Eat the crack. <laughs> she took it. <laughs> <It's like a laughs> oh, that was no. the cutest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> well, what did we learn? Um, um, some things just won't die. I feel like we yeah. always learned that. Yeah. Um, Whether it's a dog or Dan Ninen's ego or Jan DeBont, just some mm-hmm. things refuse to die. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Be nice to Tippy. I would say yeah, that. Yeah. Tippy. Is she alive? Uh, I would think she's dead. Yeah. I mean, if she is, she's pretty old. Let go of the past. Uh, she is alive. She's 89 Dang, years old. go Tippy. That's how my grandma is. Yeah. Celebrating her birthday tomorrow. We're American actress, Whoa. animal rights Topless activist. birthday with my grandma. I'm very excited. Hmm. Topless? Yep. Topless. Cool. Wait, with your grandma? <laughs> nice. Yeah. Okay. Sure. <laughs> 
Barbara. That's, uh, how we do it. <laughs> and it's, it's true. Yep. Um, some things never die. Wait, Dakota Johnson? Oh, yeah, as Melanie Griffith's kids. Therefore, yeah, they're Tippi Hedren's granddaughter. They're a big, famous dynasty. Of not of, great movies. But <laughs> of, very... Of okay actors. Yeah. yeah. They've... They, I, I like Melanie Griffith. I do, too. I do. She's <laughs> I feel like I said things. it a little too high-pitched. Yeah. But... Uh, <laughs> That was a little, yeah. I like Dakota Johnson. I like all of them and I don't want to get emails from any of them about how well they're doing. So like, I like everybody now. Uh, They don't have to send those emails. It's only that guy. (laughs) Ugh. He's a, a scary nightmare.